Hey, you guys, welcome to the Main and Magic Podcast, your stop for all things Disney. I'm your host, Dawn Brown, and this is episode 46. Whether you're adventuring in the parks or at home via Disney Entertainment, I'm here to bring you the guests and info that'll pixie dust your experience, and we're picking up lots of new friends along the way. You can catch the links to our audio recordings on our website at mainandmagic.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Just search for the Main and Magic podcast. After the show, we invite you to join our community on Facebook to share your thoughts about each topic and to connect with other Disney fans. In this episode, Katie and I continue our deep dive into the Walt Disney Animation feature film Lilo and Stitch. We dig into how the film deals with grief head-on, and Katie shares a Cobra Bubbles conspiracy theory. We also discuss the major scene that had to be reanimated after the 9-11 attacks, the attention to detail in animating the hula sequence, and how Walt Disney World tourists ended up in the film. So join us on the red car trolley as we take another Hawaiian roller coaster ride to the crossroads of Maine and Magic. original like thought process that Chris Sanders had about him not being able to relate to the animals so I thought that was interesting and kind of cool that they were whether they did that intentionally or it just worked out that way I I don't know but I did notice it so I thought that was really funny but all of our dogs are adoptable except that one (laughs) (laughs) what is that thing I'm sorry I'm sorry continue <laughs> it it also deals with grief in a way that i don't think yes i guess you could say a little bit a hunchback of notre dame deals with grief but it's like a different kind of grief as for as many dead parents as we have in all these disney movies i feel like this is the first time where it's like my parents are gone and here's the actual effect of that thing happening you know it's always like you know, okay, Belle's got her dad, but she doesn't have her mom. We don't know anything about her mom. We don't even know if Belle cares that her mom isn't there. Like, there's no emotion showed, <laughs> you know. But in this yes. one, it's very much like front and center. These two kids lost their parents and they might get separated mm-hmm. themselves from social services. Like, these are real things that happen in real people's lives. And and can we talk about Lilo's parents dying for a second and the reason why Lilo feeds Pudge and the fact that Lilo feeds Pudge and she says it. So Lilo's parents died in a rainy storm and that is why Lilo feeds Pudge because why, Dawn? Why does Lilo feed Pudge? Because Pudge controls the weather. Right. So in Lilo's five-year-old mind... Feeding Pudge will prevent a horrible rainstorm again or a horrible storm and anyone else, her losing anybody else. Yeah, like these are, this is like PTSD. Like (laughs) this is my coping mechanism. So her parents probably died on like a Friday 
So she thinks if she goes out on Thursday and feeds the fish that controls the weather, he'll give them good, you know, like this is like, yes, it's not just cute things that five-year-olds do. It's, it's things that five-year-olds that are traumatized do. (laughs) Right. And then, and something else she says too, and it, it made me start thinking, and I don't know this for a fact, this is me like over thinking everything about a 90 minute animated movie. But Lilo makes a comment about, I remember everyone who leaves. And then if you watch, she always takes pictures of photos and she has a photo of her parents. And granted the tourists aren't leaving and they're not leaving in the same sense of, I remember everyone who leaves, but is that why she takes photos of tourists? Because tourists are always leaving and she takes photos of them so she can remember people who have come into her life, even if it's just to drop their ice cream cone, and she takes pictures of them so she can remember them when they leave. Yeah, I do feel like there's... I I have a theory about this because I have a family member who admittedly takes like 5,000 times more photos than I ever could, and I do this for my <laughs> job, and I feel like it has... I feel like there's a compulsion to do it because there's like a fear of the future of what if this is the last photo or what if I forget this moment or so I I do feel like there's some like not that it's bad. I don't want to say it's 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 bad, I guess, unless it's ruining something. It's if it's ruining an experience, but you know, yeah, I, I do, I do wonder if it's something that she loves or, you know, just because it's just who she is. She, she, you know, she Mm -hmm. obviously liked drawing too, because she got upset when he ripped her drawing and she was like, man, that's from my blue period. (laughs) You know, she's like very like offended that he did that. So I don't know if, if, if this is just like part of her, you know, she likes art. She likes dancing, you know, her personality, or if there is some kind of like, like feeding the fish, if there's some like strange compulsion that developed because she just has this one picture and she just feels like she needs to do it to fulfill some feeling of mm-hmm. like losing something so it's it's a right. thing you can keep right you take the picture you get to keep the picture even if the person's not there so yeah that's a good observation i actually hadn't thought of that one in particular the fish thing does bother me though like if i ever see chris sanders i'm gonna be like is she feeding the fish because she lost her parents in a car accident during a rainstorm <laughs> i need to know the answer to this question but I do feel bad. Side note about the camera, the photos. I feel bad for the ice cream guy. He just wants his mint chocolate chip ice cream I cone. I know. My God. This poor dude. <laughs> Can't see ice cream cone? <laughs> like, give that man a break. Oh, my goodness. Anyways. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, while we're still, I guess, I mean, we're still talking about characters. So many characters in this movie. I mean, there's not a ton, but there's like a lot to say about all of them. Yeah. And see, there's another thing, like going back to the theme of Ohana that I thought was 
very noticeable in the other characters was David and Nani are obviously friends. Like they've known each other for a while and he's, you know, Lilo is very comfortable with him. So I'm just assuming she's like pretty much known him her whole life. And he is aware that he can't like, he's limited in what he can do for them. Like he can't just like pay off their mortgage. So Nani doesn't have to go to work, you know, like he, he knows he can't fix everything, but he, he knows what he can do, which is to like be nice to them and play with Lilo and take them surfing and give them like emotional support and like get their mind off of it. Like, let's go do this surfing thing and this is how I can care for you. Mm -hmm. And also Cobra Bubbles is like, I was just going to mention him, (laughs) even though he's kind of like hard, like he's a hard character. He like, he he's like, you can tell he's rooting for them. He's like, he has to do his job. But at the same time, he's like, I'm going to give you three days, you know, like, I feel like that's him being like, I'm going to just give you this time and this should be enough time. All I need is for you to show me that this five-year-old is not going to blow up the house. Like I will give you every (laughs) lenient, you know, I'm, I'm is, is I'm going to push every line here because I want you to succeed. And of course, like, you know, Lilo blows up Lilo the house. Blows up the house. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, he's a- like, I a- don't want to do this, but this is what's happening. Right. You know, this is what has to ha- Now this has to happen. So I actually read a conspiracy about Cobra Bubbles that he worked with one of Nani's parents in the CIA. And he isn't actually a social worker that he truly is like... And you kind of start thinking about it like he just comes around and when all of a sudden Stitch Crash lands on this alien planet called Earth and now Cobra Bubbles is no longer CIA operative and he's a social worker that he was checking in on uh, Nani and Lilo as a favor to their parents. Could be. I mean, they do allude at the end that he probably is still in the cia (laughs) roswell (laughs) so he i mean is pretty much i mean yeah i he said he was in the cia and now he's like doing this but he's very much still because he even makes that kind of slight snide remark like this is going to be hard to explain back at headquarters like so right headquarters there's no headquarters at social office yeah (laughs) so he's i love how they also made him like he looks like a men in black character which those movies were coming out right at that time right around time here's something really cool that i discovered that i never knew and I um, I saw this in that behind the scenes, like making of Lilo and Stitch thing. So you guys can watch that and see this for yourselves. But Cobra Bubbles was originally meant to be like a skinny white guy that was very like, you know, proper and had glasses and kind of looked nerdy. And then when they like were Tommy Lee Jones in a sense. 
like going into this no like skinny like and young okay very sort of like passive character and as they were developing it they were like they knew that they needed that specific character to be kind of big and like have a bigger personality and be a little bit menacing so it could balance out Lilo's personality. So then they cast Ving Rhames and they just, they were, they like immediately knew exactly what to do with the character. So they made him like this big black guy and he's like wearing his sunglasses all the time. So he's a little mysterious and he's got that deep voice and he's big and, and and it it works perfect because if he had been like a skinny nerdy guy like imagine everything's the same except for you change out the character of cobra bubbles it doesn't work because lilo's going to walk all over him and oh, yeah. she but she encounters the at the cobra bubbles that we have now and she's inquisitive and like suspicious and it it, the play off of each other is so good she's like your knuckle says cobra like she does not care that this guy could like (laughs) fit her in his shoe like (laughs) even though even though you know and if he was a skinny guy that scene wouldn't play the same like if she was inquiring with him about something she would just be it would seem like she was his equal or like walking all over him. And in this, in this case, it's like, he's like, you're so little and cute. And she's like, you know, I'm going to figure you out. I'm going to discover your secret, you know? (laughs) Hey, Don, we're getting off the subject. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I think if there's one character in the movie that I would want to know more about, it's him. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I need a Cobra Bubbles spinoff movie, like, a prequel, like, a sequel. <laughs> but then, too, I mean, when you look at the pictures at the end of the movie with the movie reel, and even in my attempt to watch Stitch the movie, um, he's in the pictures, like, he's in the family photos now. He's sitting on the couch for Lilo's birthday. And, like, yeah. he's part of the family now. They're watching a movie together. Wa- right. Yeah. Right. So is he actually not a social worker? And he's CIA who has to keep tabs on the three aliens that are now living in the house? Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. 100%. But also, I think <laughs> he know. loves them. He's not a social. Yes, very much so. He's not a social worker. Yeah. Prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, and two, okay, so this is kind of getting off of Cobra Bubbles, but kind of talking about the characters a little bit too, but so everyone, everybody has some kind of conspiracy about aliens and that, you know, we've all seen Men in Black and that aliens are actually like living in human. We all have some kind of conspiracy about aliens, but again, with some type of, I don't want to call it foreshadowing, but the fact that here's this one eyed alien, Pleakley and four eyed alien Jumba who are 
in plain sight. They put on a wig and they're in plain sight, right? Like, it's kind of funny how we all have that alien conspiracy that they're living among us. And here are these, again, I know it's an animated movie, but they put on a wig and they're living among us and no one can tell that Blinkley's head is swollen. Cause it was yeah, just he was just going to say, she's like... <laughs> but, like, really? Really? Nobody noticed that that was in One-Eyed Alien? Come I know, on. I do the same thing. Like, there, you have to, like, suspend your disbelief. But, yeah, so, you know, like, your head looks swollen and Jumbo's like, no, she's just ugly. <laughs> right! But it kind of, like, Savage. plays on that stupid human thing of, they really are living among us and nobody knows any different in a sense. But anyways, <laughs> I can't tell you that. Is there there. anything I, I have like maybe one beef, but was there anything in the movie? Like as far as like the story goes or any part of the story that didn't make sense to you or, you wish it was built out differently? You know, honestly, the first five minutes of the movie or three minutes of the movie where I understand that we need the foreshadow of who Stitch is, where Stitch came from, and going and telling Jumbo that he has to go. I never liked the beginning of the movie. I mean, even as much as I watched the movie, there have been times that I skip right to Lilo feeding Pudge because I just don't, I, I don't know. It's, I get why it's there and that we need to understand it, but it's too Star Wars for me in the beginning. Okay. It like has a Star Wars feel to it. I don't know how to explain it. I just, I've never, I get why it's there. I get why we need to know about it, but it just seems like dark and, alien robots throwing up metal chunks and then we're in the ocean feeding punch the fish <laughs> yeah it is a different color palette it does it looks yes. totally different yeah and i like i said i get it i know why it's there i just I, that was the one part of the movie i've never really been a fan of i guess so there's one part for me where for the longest time, I never even questioned it. And maybe that's how it's supposed to be. And I feel like I might just make my brain go back to that. But when Jumba and Pleakley are in the woods with Stitch and he has his little handcuffs on, his little, um, that make him not be able to use his arms. And Nani comes up and she's like, we need to go get Lilo. And Stitch looks at Jumba and he says, let me go. Or what he says it in his alien language. And Jumba's like, what? And then he goes, okay. And he just does it. And Pleakley's like, what? <laughs> You're just going to let him go? And he's like, well, he's very persuasive. He's very convincing. Persuasive. And I'm like... Did I miss something in the movie where Jumba is super easy to manipulate? Manipulate? Yeah. Jinx. <laughs> because I, that, that's the only part for me, that's the only part in the movie that doesn't 
it doesn't totally make sense because yeah i get that um Mm -hmm. the only thing i can think is that they've already been fired so they're just gonna get abandoned there anyways like they were they were they captured him because they were still going to try to like go return him. So Jumba could be free, but yeah. So like what happened mentally in Jumba's mind? Like he just like did a complete 180 in literally like four seconds. That's the mm-hmm. only thing in the whole story where I'm like, why did that happen? Because I don't, I can't think of a time in the movie where he was easily manipulated. Like, Pleakley was keeping him under control. Mm -hmm. But even after they got fired, he was like, now we're going to do it my way. And he's, like, going to shoot the town up with his little laser gun or whatever. Like, he does not care. (laughs) But then he lets him go. But then he just, like, straight up lets him go. So that was the only thing that I was kind of like... And I almost... I almost don't even care because they they end up being a whole big happy family at the end of the movie anyway. So like, who cares? <laughs> right. You know, like just just pretend like that makes sense and just keep going. So that that's like right. my only, as far as like the story build out goes, like that's the only thing that I can see in the whole movie that just doesn't totally makes sense to me (laughs) so i might have to just maybe i just need to like rewatch that like six times and see like what i missed or something but yeah no that makes sense i i I, yeah i follow you on that (laughs) because even pleakley's like we did all of this work and you're just gonna you know let him go like, maybe they said yeah. something, like, did they say something about Stitch in the very beginning about how that he could, like, manipulate people or make them think a certain way? I don't know. I fast forward that part. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of like my only storyline thing where I'm kind of like, what is happening with this? Like, why is he just straight up? Like you did all this work and you're just, well, he's very convincing. He literally said one word to you. (laughs) Yeah. I do know though, like in the very beginning when Jumba says all this stuff, like he's afraid of water and then he steals everyone left shoe. Like why hasn't Stitch stolen anyone's left shoe? Where's that? Like, I'm waiting yeah. for him to steal a left shoe. Let's go. <laughs> like some scene in the movie where he's wearing a left shoe on both of his feet. Right. Or <laughs> right. Or when he's in the grocery store at the end of the movie and changing a bottle for a sucker with the baby. Like, take the baby's left shoe. Like, let's, what, what the heck? I, but anyways. Yeah, so that was another thing that I noticed was he hates sugar. So there's two instances. He gets rid of the lollipop and then he spits the cake out. Yes. So see, this is what you get when you watch a film 50,000 times. Right. (laughs) Did you see this in the theater when it came out? Um, I honestly don't remember. I don't think we did. Um, 
I, I honestly don't think I did because I was a, it was during my rebel phase. So, uh, conversely, this is the only movie I have ever seen in the movie theater three times. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Avatar and Titanic and all of those other movies I saw twice. <laughs> I, I might have. I honestly can't. I honestly don't remember if I did. Because you figure it came out. It came out just when I was coming back from my college program. Like shortly after. Um, so I had a lot of, it was a weird, it was a weird time for me. So I, I don't think I did, but I can't say with certainty I did or didn't. I kind of also want to talk about Nani because she is not a, well, first, just the fact that we have sisters in a movie, like that was forging new roads, <laughs> you know, right. this is pre pre Anna and Elsa. So like, that was cool to have a sibling movie, but also mm -hmm. Nani isn't a stick figure. She is like a real girl. <laughs> and this, right. this is that whole, like Chris, Han Chris Sanders has this drawing style where he uses everything as a curve and there's no sharp edges. And if you look at his artwork, like his other artwork that is not Lilo and Stitch, like that is very much his style. And he draws women curvy, but not, not curvy, creepy, curvy where, <laughs> where there's no waist and huge, right. it's you know, like realistic. Yeah. It's, it's a realistic feel on some women. Right. And I yes. kind of loved that. It looked so different. That was just another thing that went into it was like the characters were drawn so differently and the the shape of their eyes and like all that stuff. Yes. Sim they're simply, but more based in the real world, <laughs> I guess, than some of the other things that we've seen. Like even David, like David's body shape, like, if you think about movies that came out around that time, like Hercules, like a big, huge chest and like basically no waist. <laughs> so they were even doing it to guys, you know, like, and David's right. just like a, an in shape surfer guy, you know? So yeah, I, I really loved that. Nani, Nani is like, she's mm -hmm. trying to do all the things and, she has, you know, uh, imagine trying to do all the things with a five-year-old. It's like, <laughs> and she's like kind of annoyed by Lilo because, you know, there's that whole scene in the bedroom where Lilo's like, you like me, but I like you better as a sister than a mom. And you like me better as a sister than a rabbit, right? Yeah. And you feel for them because it's like, this is the roles that they're in now. And it's going to be hard for them to break away from those roles going forward. Like just because this is, they've got thrown into this situation. Um, so one other, one other quick thing about characters, this is something else I read. I'm going to butcher the last name, but so with Moana, I gave you guys something about translations and such. So based on stitches name tag on his dog collar, I'm going to butcher the last name, but Lilo, I keep wanting to say Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Nani's last name is Pelikai, P-E-L-E-K-A-I. 
the translations in Hawaiian, Peli is the goddess of fire and volcanoes, and Kai is the um, means seawater in Hawaiian. So I thought that was really cool too, that they like actually looked into, you know, they they had a whole translation of what their last name can mean too. So the only translation I got for you on this movie, the guys, that's all I got. Just the only one. <laughs> Although. Yeah, there was a thing. Well, I I did look up Lilo. I, I saw this graphic, you know, you, you always have yes. to check graphics because they kind of don't really ever mean anything. They, half the time they're a lie. But I did look up Lilo and in Hawaiian, it's supposed to mean generous one, uh, but I, it can also be interpreted as meaning lost. So that's basically the graphic was saying, like, basically Lilo and Stitch is, you know, Lilo lost and then Stitch pulled together. Which is awesome. Yeah. It's another little level to the meaning of it. Yes. And also, before we get into the next subject, too, there's a lot of things in this movie. So we all know, like with Pixar, there's lots of Easter eggs, you know, in Pixar movies. So in Lilo and Stitch, there's actually quite a few Easter eggs. Also, um, in Lilo's room in her art easel, we can see Dumbo. Have you seen Dumbo? You can see him twice that I know of in the movie. Um on Lilo's wall, there's a nod to Mulan. You can see that on a poster. And then... There's also um, there's also a store when they're walking down the street. I think it's uh, called Mulan Walk. Okay, I didn't catch that one. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, the license plate on the truck. I believe it's the truck that Stitch puts in the volcano. I could be wrong. But one of the license plates on one of the trucks is A113, which is the um, studio number uh, for that's in all every Pixar movie has A113 on it. So a nod to that also. And then there's lots of hidden Mickeys in the movie also that you can find. Yep. By watching it in slow-mo. If you look at the postcards, when they're, when they're looking at the postcards, there's one for Orlando and it has Cinderella Castle on it. Oh, there's, I didn't catch that one. Yeah, there's also a postcard for Chicago, which we know is where Walt Disney was born. Yes. There's also one for Toronto, which is essentially where Dean Dubois went to college. And then, of course, there's one for San Francisco, which we later see him build and destroy. Destroy? <laughs> His destructive properties are so yeah, there's there's all kinds of things in there. Of course, at the end in the montage, they are in front of Graceland, which is Elvis's home. Say, yep. Yeah, <laughs> which Elvis is a huge part of this movie. Yes, which is awesome. Yes. Yeah, let's talk about the music. So I don't yes, know about you, please. but this is like. Amazing soundtrack. It is. I love it. It's on my playlist. It's one I can listen to all the time. 
<laughs> so Alan Silvestri did the score. Obviously, he's amazing. Um, but I love the... Obviously, they they put Elvis in here because Elvis did a lot of movies in Hawaii. He was mm-hmm. there a lot. Um, in fact, the first Elvis movies I saw were Blue Hawaii and Clambake, which is also set in Hawaii. They're the same movie, just like switch out the girls and the songs, <laughs> which is basically <laughs> any movie that... I don't want to say every Elvis movie, but a lot of the Elvis movies set in, you know, tropical destinations, just switch out the girls and the songs. (laughs) It's the same movie, but, but that balanced against the children's choir, like the, the more traditional, like Hawaiian type songs it's like a good balance because I think if you only did Elvis, it would lessen it. It would cheapen it and make it look like they've just appropriated their culture and then stuck Elvis in there. But this, this way they like really balanced it out with the children's choir and both of the songs that they sing are so good. Yeah, <laughs> like I cannot listen to Hawaiian roller coaster ride and not like be toe tapping. Right. I think it's one of the best songs for a soundtrack ever. It is. It's a really good one. It's yes. I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's just an awesome. There's nothing soundtrack. I should. It's a really good one. <laughs> Winona Judd, Winona Judd's yes. cover at the end is like over the montage is like perfect. Like literally, no other person no. could do it. It had to be her. Hers is not the one at the montage. Eighteens is the montage. Oh yeah, that's can't right. help falling in love. So can't help falling in love. I actually is one of my favorite songs. And ironically, it is... So if I had to pick a not favorite Disney movie, it's a movie from 1987 called Some Kind of Wonderful that stars um, Leah Thompson, Eric Stoltz, and Mary Stuart Masterson. We were talking 1987, guys. Don't ask me. I don't. I love this movie. It is is, my favorite non-animated movie. But the end of that movie is Can't Help Falling in Love. And a band by the name of Lick the Tins does the cover of that song at the end of that movie. And I've loved that song since I saw it in that movie. And then when this song was in performed by the 18s at the end of Lilo and Stitch, I'm like, oh my God, I love this song even more. It's awesome. It is my... I love Hawaiian roller coaster ride. Can't get enough of it. Can still get tongue twisted on the turn, the tongue twisting part of it. I love Burning Love. I love the Hemele uh, Nolilo, but Can't Help Falling in Love is probably my favorite song from this soundtrack. I love the version of it. It is good. It's very. Uh late 90s early 2000s teen pop boy band 
it's not a boy band. It's boys and girls, but right. it's, it's yeah. teeny bop, teeny bop music. Yeah, yeah. It is of the time. <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, mine is definitely Hawaiian roller coaster ride. It's it's just the best song. Like I I can't turn it. If I, if it comes on, I listen to it. If it if that's where my iTunes is at at that moment, I will I never fast forward through it. It's so good. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. That is up there for me. And I do I do not change off of it. And it's a really good soundtrack. The song at the beginning, which is escaping me right now, where she's like running into the school to do the hula. Uh, that's the, it is called Hey Mele No Lilo. Yes. Okay. That one. So they, they got an actual musician, obviously like a, a local, you know, a Hawaiian musician to, to do those songs and then the children's choir. So, and, and the, uh, what's his name? Mark Kaylee Ho. Amalu, Amalu, he yes. also was. He also does the hula portion. So he, they consulted with him for the hula dancing and the choir arrangements. So, and that was something that I thought was so cool about the hula dancing. They in in that behind the scenes film they show it where they went there and they had the women doing the dancing. So they had. They had the women and they were filming them from the front and then also from above and Mm -hmm. which you see in the film, right? You see them dancing from the front and then they also do a downward shot from above and they took the footage of that frame by frame and that's what the animators used and, and Chris and Dean like, directed them to be extremely specific about every movement. If she moves her pinky finger, you need to draw the pinky finger moving at the exact same time that the foot is in this position. Like they wanted it to be exact. exact. And if you can look at the footage side by side with the animation they did, oh my God what (laughs) right you know i mean and disney's obviously got a long history of doing this like they've always been using live action recordings i mean all the way back to snow white right Right. so this is not a new thing but if you think about how intricate hula is and like every body part moving in sometimes different directions, like the hip will go one direction and like the knees go up at a different point than the, yes. Yeah. We we were talking about it earlier. It's like, how does your body even do that? Right. (laughs) It's hard. Like my hips are broken or something. I need new ones. Right. And the one, the one I can remember from the like teaching how to hula is they're on their the balls of their feet the entire time. Yes. It, and, and like there's parts like, of it where they won't even move the tops of their legs. Like yes, they won't even it's move just their, their legs. knees and their calves. Yes, it's so crazy. It's so right. intricate and like so specialized. So I thought that was and, really cool that they took um, that much care to 
oh to yeah be so specific like literally go frame by frame right and the um mark how do you say it? mark Le hoamalu is also the one who does the who sings most of hawaiian roller coaster ride also yes so he does the two main songs that are not elvis songs is is him doing it's him yep yeah, it's the footage from the sessions for the hula and then the children's choir is so awesome. Yeah, and they we need actually to embed the hula lessons into this podcast because if I can find them on YouTube, I will. I'll see if there might be. It's kind of one of those things like Disney didn't put it out. I'm surprised this is even on YouTube because Disney didn't put it on YouTube. It's just some guy. <laughs> Right. Some guy's YouTube account. So, you know, could get pulled down at any time. Who knows? But the other thing with the story, this is kind of a suck thing to talk about, but they they didn't do a lot of like CGI or any of that stuff. They had like a limited budget. Obviously, we talked about that. So they, there was one scene that was like a really big scene and they were like, this one's going to be like, we want to do it right. We don't want to wait till the end of the movie when there's no money left. So it was one of the scenes that they did first. And it's when Stitch is going to rescue Lilo. So originally it was supposed to be Ditch going to the airport and stealing a 747. Yes. And flying it through their like downtown area, and the plane was gonna be bouncing off the buildings, not wrecking them. It was more like skidding off the buildings and like very cartoonish and silly. But obviously they're finishing up production on this in 2001 and 9-11 happens and they immediately are like we have to fix it we we can't have this scene in the movie like we we can't have 747s bouncing off of buildings so they went to their art department and they tried to just see what they could do so they redrew they just they decided that they were gonna instead of stitch stealing a 747 that in stitch is just gonna go and steal the ship that jumba and pleakley arrived on the island with so they basically like squished the airplane into looking like the spaceship that it does now in the movie. Like they actually show it in that behind the scenes thing, like, because that was one of the few things that they did on the computer. They show footage of the guy, like literally on the computer. Like if we squish the body of the airplane, this direction. (laughs) So like the body of the airplane ends up being kind of like a ball but the engines are still there. So like, if you look at it, you can still see that the 747 like engines are basically still on the wings of this thing. (laughs) So they were able to like save some parts. And then they, instead of flying through the town, they flew through the canyons. So 
they were able to rescue it. And I think it it makes more sense. Yes. It, Almost yeah. like, I know they worked really hard on that scene. It was one of the first scenes that they did. They spent a lot of money, like a lot of their budget making that scene, only to have to go back and change it later. But like, obviously, you don't know these things are going to happen. So, right. Right. But another, yeah. another scene that um, this was actually, I mean, I don't know what the change of it is, but between the CD or DVDs, excuse me, and the Disney Plus version is in the beginning of the movie has been changed on Disney Plus. And unless you've seen the original, you would never know. But on the DVD, Lilo when right before the whole uh maybe you should treat me for a rabbit instead that whole scene when uh, after cobra bubbles leaves and lilo goes running and hiding she actually goes and hides in a dryer in the dvd and because apparently kids are very impressionable these days and eat tide pods and things like that <laughs> disney plus has changed it where She's just hiding in a cabinet that has a pizza box as the front. I I actually read something about this when they when they released the original, they actually had to change it for the United Kingdom. Oh, I didn't know that. See, yes. I thought it was just a Disney Plus change. No, so they had they had already because because of that exact thing, because kids will hide in dryers then if they see it on TV. So the United Kingdom, like they couldn't release it there or they, they did release it there, but then they had, they were made to change it. Um, So that change had already been made once before. So I guess they just. Changed on Disney plus. I mean, wouldn't be, you know, I mean, that happens all the time, even now. Right. They'll like, right pull scenes from certain movies, but they'll add different scenes. So yes. Yeah. If if you watch the original, she actually hides in a dryer, which is funny too, because when I'm when you watch the Disney plus version, like if you were to go and watch this movie tomorrow and you know, Nani Lilo goes and runs and hides and Nani leans against the wall and she holds her finger up like, yep, there's the sound. And when she holds her finger up, there's no sound. And in the original on the DVD, when Nani leans against the wall and holds her finger up, you hear the dryer close. You hear yeah. the door to wherever Lilo's hiding close. But now you don't hear anything. It's just her finger up. Then, okay, look, she's in the cabinet with a pizza box. <laughs> yeah, my DVD has the dryer. Yes, mine does too. So I've got the original. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing I did want to mention before I forget, like, so at the end of the movie, they have that montage. Mm-hmm. After they did the whole redesign of that scene where Stitch steals the spacecraft from the 747, they had a little bit of money left. And Tom Schumacher says, if you could do anything at the end of the movie, what would you do? And the guys were like, you know, they were always going to do music with some still images of things that Lilo and the family had done going forward, like for the next year of their life. But since they had some money left over, they decided to insert 
continuations of the actual animation along with the montage of the photos. So I thought that that was really cool because he's the head of feature animation and he could have said, well, you had this money left over. So that's the money that we saved making this film. But instead he was like, please spend this money, (laughs) you know, you can get, you know, and they got an extra like two minutes basically of animation out of it. And everybody loved it because he, Tom Schumacher's thing was people are going to want to know what happened next in this I feel like it's like the closure that we needed. <laughs> yes. You know? Oh yeah. I love the, I love those montages at the end. That was perfect for the end. It of the movie. is. It's so good. And I read this in a polygon article, which I will link in the show notes. When Dean was kind of like upset that they were going to be, you know, initially upset that they were going to be working in the theme park, basically, at the studio in the theme park. He was talking in this article about how the animators drew inspiration from the tourists that passed through the park every day. And they they turned them into Lilo's photos. Like, the people in Lilo's photographs are people that they saw in the park. When they were going to and from work. Yes. (laughs) So he said every single tourist in the movie has passed in front of the windows at the studio at some point. So. Oh, funny. Yes. (laughs) Can I tell you probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie? And it actually is in that last two minute montage is Stitch doing laundry and finding Nani's bra and putting it on his head and then getting a cape. That is probably one of my favorite. Like, I laugh at that part because who is a kid who is not who is not taking a bra and put it on their head to pretend it's like earmuffs or something? I have that picture in my laundry room. <laughs> it's, I mean, for the longest time, and my sister will probably kill me, but for the longest time, like, her picture on like my Google account when you can have like, people's pictures was her wearing a bra as earmuffs. And this is <laughs> as an adult. Like it's just stupid and funny, but it was hilarious. I love that part of the movie. Yeah. So it's super thank you funny. for spending the final part of the budget. And apparently but. that pose that he makes is like a recreation of a pose from a Batman comic or graphic yes. novel. Yes. Um, which is just like extra something. So, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I have that picture hanging in my laundry room because that is who I am as a person. <laughs> right. So funny, a funny story regarding Lilo and Stitch. So in Disney at like in Disney World at um, Art of Disney, you could get the sketches and they could they could personalize them for you and. I mean, we're talking probably back in 2019, eh, 2004, 2003, when my obsession began. I found a, a sketch at Art of Disney that was Lilo swimming and Pudge had the sandwich in his mouth. So I had to buy it. Like, I had to have it. It was my, that was my big souvenir that year. 
And they're like, oh, do you want us to write anything? I say, can you, instead of personalizing it, can you please write on this saying it's sandwich day? Yes, absolutely. No problem. So, of course, I'm not going to carry this around the park. I'm not going to wait for it. I had to ship back to my room. So two days later, get back to my room, and I hope I was so excited. Like, it was back in the day when it, like, was on your, in your, actually in your room. Like, you didn't have to go to the lobby to get it. Like, it was in your room, right? So I go and I get it, and I'm so excited to open it up and see it. And I open it up, and the it's the picture I wanted. Lilo swimming after Pudge with the sandwich in his mouth. And it, they wrote, it's sandwich time. No. It's sandwich time. I <laughs> cried. I was in tears. I'm like, Dad. He goes, well, is that what you told him? I go, why would I tell them it's sandwich time? It's not sandwich time. It's sandwich day. I said, I can quote the whole first, this whole scene. I can quote it right now for you. I'm not going to tell them to say it's sandwich time. I know it's not sandwich time. It's sandwich day. So we go back the next day and I tell them, they're like, well, that had to have been what you told them to write. I said, listen, Lilo, why are you all wet? And I start quoting the movie to the guy. I'm like, that's how I know that I did not tell them it's sandwich time. I understand mistakes can be made, but I know that I didn't make a mistake because I just laid it out for you that I know I didn't make a mistake after quoting the whole part of the movie. And they redid it for me. So I have the proper, the proper picture that says it's sandwich day. But I was so mad. Like, no, that's not right. Trust me, I didn't get this one wrong. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's probably one of my favorite souvenirs is that picture. That and it's it's not colored or anything, it's just the sketch. Just the sketch that says it's sandwich day. Well the last the last thing I want to talk about just real quick is how we talked earlier about the commercials for the marketing campaign before the movie came out. But there was also some things that happened inside the park that people may vaguely remember if you were around at that time. Uh, So this was B2002, of course. And Katie, I'm curious if you remember seeing this, but if you walked back to New York Street, like that area, Streets of America area, and looked up at the Empire State Building, there was a stitch on the Empire State Building. Do you remember that? I vaguely remember that. (laughs) And... I loved that. I have pictures of it. I'll see if I can get a good scan of the one that I have. So if anybody out there doesn't know what I'm talking about or vaguely remembers and just wants to see a picture, I'll, I'll try to get a good scan and post it in the show notes. Um, but the other thing was 
when the DVD was about to hit stores, like the DVD hit stores in early December of 2002. So like, you know, in time for the Christmas rush, basically. And ahead of that, they put a huge, ginormous, massive blow up stitch outside of Disney MGM Studios. So it was like, you get off the tram from the parking lot and it's like the first thing you see, it's just huge blow up stitch with the, he's like holding a copy of the DVD like case. <laughs> so that was like, they also had one of those out at Disneyland as well. Do you remember seeing that? I don't remember seeing that if, at all. If you that weren't there at that time of year though, you will probably wouldn't have seen it. Um, I also have photos of that, which I will try to get a good scan of. And lastly, but certainly not least, they decided that they were going to do a changeover of the extraterrestrial experience at Magic Kingdom. And Oh, the chili. Oh, the chili. What? It was like... <laughs> such a weird situation because they they only had a few months to make the changeover and when they closed the extraterrestrial ride they gave people like two days notice yeah they're like we're closing this in two days and it will never exist again so people were like really upset about it but and then they had just a few months to make this changeover. So they couldn't do any, they couldn't really do anything different to the building or like build anything new out. So they kind of just switched out some of the animatronics and like made it stitch, made it a stitch story instead of a, the other story that they had. But in preparation for the opening, so the ride opened on, November 16th, 2004. And as mm. part of the marketing for this, they <laughs> guests entered the Magic Kingdom to see Cinderella Castle had been not only toilet papered, but graffitied <laughs> as well. <laughs> so I did not see this. I was not there at that time. I, She's good. I can tell. <laughs> but yeah, and it was only up for like, I think, three days. It was very short. Yeah, and it was a long time. Yeah, it was for the opening of Stitch's Great Escape. So yeah, they covered you know, the castle with toilet uh, paper and they graffitied Stitch's King on one of the turrets. Yes. <laughs> you know, honestly, like, I get why Alien Encounter had to go. I understand it did not fit this magic kingdom motif i loved alien encounter i don't know why I, I don't maybe it was one of the first scary things i had ever been on in my life but i really actually liked that i went on stitch's great escape because it was stitch i was not a fan no it was terrible oh my god yeah horrible I, we all but loved i liked alien i loved alien encounter yeah it was so i needed good. that yes yeah, yeah I was, like, I, as much but, as I love Stitch and Stitch's life, and I will sport Stitch apparel any day of the week, I did not like. Stitch's it was not a skate. ride that was worthy of that movie. Not at it all. Was, it, no, 
it just detracted from the movie and it didn't it didn't make any sense with the movie no. like it just right and you know i look at that attraction and it's like okay he's good we're trying to prove that he's good we're trying to make him good and make him a a model citizen and he's burping chili in my face and stepping on my shoulders this ain't a model citizen yeah they like retracted to the first 20 minutes of the movie right and so just because that's what they had and it was a hit movie and so we were like oh we'll just do this but yeah no it was not and i'm still like even to this day i'm like that does not count like, why is there no Lilo and Stitch ride? Like, that just does mm-hmm. not count. Which, if you guys want to go back to our, uh, you know... I was just going to say that! <laughs> reimagining <laughs> animation courtyard, I have a whole Lilo and Stitch land planned out. But I, say that. I do feel like he deserves a ride. It, aside from that, though, he is one of the most popular characters. He is. And... It shows no signs of slowing down. Like at this point, I, I well, feel like he is a classic character at this point. And look at the whole, you know, Disney has a whole collection that you can get at the parks. And I believe you can get it on uh, shop Disney as well, but they have a stitch crashes Disney collection where it's a stitch stuffed animal and it's themed to different characters. Like, there's a whole collection on it. So he is absolutely not slowing down. And that's a callback to those original trailers where he crashed Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and all those. I don't think people understood that unless they specifically remembered that marketing campaign. Like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that is brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, so they, yeah, they... It's pins, too. I know they had plushes, pins, and ornaments or something. There was, like, another... Yeah. There were a couple magic bands, too, that came out for it. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole thing. Stitches, you know, I would go and wait 45 minutes to meet Stitch over meeting Mickey. And I know Mickey's classic. I would still wait 45 minutes for Mickey. But if I had to pick one, it would be Stitch all the way. Stitch is, he's just, he's a fun character to meet. You know, now that COVID protocols are gone in Disney World, if you have the opportunity to meet him or, you know, go to Ohana for breakfast and see Lilo and Stitch and meet Lilo and Stitch, he's a classic character. He's, you're actually right. He's not slowing down. That character breakfast is so good. Oh my I gosh. love it it's so one much. Of my favorites. And the food. Oh. Pod it's juice. amazing. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, and I get to, so the Polynesian just had a whole retheming and it's a Moana theme now. But I'm a little I'm s i um I think they should have gone a Lilo and Stitch feel to it. You know, you still get the surfboard in the in the lobby. It's still there. I still try and still try and steal it every vacation. <laughs> Yet to accomplish that, I think they should have gone Lilo and Stitch for the Moana. Because if you think about it, like you can meet you you have Lilo and Stitch at the breakfast. You have Stitch in the parks. You can't meet Moana anywhere unless you're there for one of the holidays. Yeah, you have to go to Alani to meet 
right? Moana. So why did we make it a, a Moana theme? Anyways, that's a whole nother show. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the Polynesian, the Polynesian is meant to represent all of Polynesia. Yeah, I know. It's just, just Hawaii, Hawaii. So. I get it. I know. But I don't think there's any danger of them pulling Lilo and Stitch from Ohana's. No. Um, no. But my life goal. <laughs> yes. Major bucket list item is to get my picture taken with Elvis Stitch. So I have the Lilo costume. I own it. It even has a wig. I see a Halloween trip yep. in your future. Because that's the only time you can meet him. <laughs> hmm, if only you knew someone who could book a trip like yes, that for you. Yes, only. <laughs> hmm. But, yeah, he is a great character in the parks. And so is Lilo. Like, she's very oh, sweet. Yeah. I have lots of really fun photos with them, like, in the surfing pose and all of that stuff. And Yes. Yes. Um, but, yeah. Okay. So, I think that taking into consideration everything we talked about. So, the characters that you love. Which, is there any character that you didn't like in this film? I feel like everybody no. plays their part really well. Everyone plays their part well from the Grand Councilwoman to the Frog. I, everybody. I, there's not a character. I mean, Myrtle Levins is a bully. Oh, yeah. She's Myrtle can suck it. <laughs> I mean, like, she's just. No. I don't. I mean, I want to get rid of her. She has a purpose of the movie, but I don't like her. She's a meanie. Like, if that was I my agree. kid? Pfft. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but she's necessary to the story. But she is very necessary. I would not yeah. get rid of her. I would not get rid of her. I don't like her, though. Oh, you know what we forgot to mention? So, Katie, actually, you sent me this. You sent I me did. this. I did. I was just going to bring it up. <laughs> oh, go ahead. You can tell it. You can no, tell it. are you talking about Scrump? Yes. So, I saw a, a video. It was a video I sent you, right? Yep. Where in the beginning, when Lee Logos and apologizes to Myrtle Evans, and she goes, she starts talking about her. She's, are you guys going to play dolls? And she starts talking about Scrump, how I pretend a bug laid, I pretend a bug laid eggs in her ears. And then all of a sudden, Lilo turns around, her friends are gone. And Lilo throws Scrump on the ground and runs down the hill and then walks back up and picks her up. And as Lilo is walking back down the hill, you can see Scrump turn her frown and actually smile. So Scrump is alive. Oh. Yeah, like she, she turns her, her head slightly and smiles. And she smiles like she was happy that Lilo picked her up. That was on Chris Sanders' TikTok. Yes, so it was. This is yes. the creator and the co you know, the co-writer and the co-director is verifying that Scrump is now that is so sinister because if you remember <laughs> later in the movie, Stitch opens Scrump up, throws in basically like a flashbang smoke bomb. And then throws Scrump at Jumba and explodes it. <laughs> so if Scrump is like, so Scrump is alive, but they felt like it was okay to murder her at the end. <laughs> right? Like to blow her up. Like, 
I was like, this is so twisted. <laughs> but yeah, that was on Chris Sanders TikTok. So I'll link that in the show notes as well. Because it's really fun. He has some really fun videos. He only has a few, but he talks about Lilo and Stitch. And like he talks about the book that he made for the production team. So, you know, they're like short little videos. You can watch them and learn a little bit more. But um, right. okay. So like I was the saying before. Me God, not <laughs> oh, yeah. He does talk about that. That video is really funny. Yeah. Whereas like computers smoking. Yeah. It's really funny. Um, so taking into account everything that we talked about, all the characters, the parts of the movie that you don't love as much as others, how would you rate this on a five star scale? Uh, 22. <laughs> <laughs> it's up there. It's a five. I, I have no, there's the positives far outweigh the minor things that I don't like about it. There's nothing less than a five star for me on this. Again, I can watch it every day. I want to say like my heart wants to say a five star, but my, why does Jumba just let him go? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, if he's very convincing, like suspend so 4. all of your I Yeah. I'm <laughs> A 4.9 because Jump is a pushover. So close. <laughs> you almost had it. I just want to know why. I just want to know why. Uh, I, I, yeah, no, I get it. So what's yours? Like a 4.9, really? Basically, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's nearly perfect. That's the only thing I just, and it's, if Chris Sanders was like, because we thought it would be funny, I would be like, that flies. It's a five for me. Right. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe I'll message him through TikTok and see if he answers me. <laughs> yes. Be like, link this and show in his TikTok. Be like, listen, look at what we did. We need answers. <laughs> Help us out. So many questions. But yeah, I I have a hard time. I As much as I loved Moana and as much as I loved Frozen 2 and as much as I still love Peter Pan and Beauty and the Beast, this one just keeps rising to the top. It does. I mean, I we said it before too. I mean... Lilo is the perfect five. Did we decide she's five? Have we? Is yeah, that she's the age? Five. She's yep. five, right? Lilo's five. Nani is nineteen. She's a five-year-old. Sorry, bit you and punched you in the face and pulled your hair. Like that's how a five-year-old talks. I got a new dog. I'm sorry, and then we're gonna talk about something else. That's that's a five-year-old. It's perfect. Yeah, and you know that's another thing too. Just. The fact that this is a two and a half hour episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, they consciously made a decision to film the movie from her eye level. Yeah. And I don't yes. know if you would even think about that when you initially watch it. But for those of you guys that are thinking that you want to go back and watch it, you'll notice that basically 90% of the shots that are happening are happening from her eye level because it's her experience. It's her movie. And they didn't want to film things from the adult eye levels because it like diminishes her story to do that. And 
when I read that, I was like, it's like a light went off. Like, yes, I don't know if I would have been able to say, to know that, like, just to put that into words initially. But yes, I can see like it is very much filmed from her, her eye level. And like, what's one of the f- first things you learn at traditions is when you're talking to a child to kneel down down. to their level Mm -hmm. my god how Mm -hmm. many squats did i do every day right (laughs) i had amazing legs when i worked at disney seriously (laughs) because just all day long down on one knee down on one knee because all they stare at all day long is knees and thighs and so when you're making a movie about a five-year-old and it's very much the five-year-old story, you need to film it from their eye level. And they specifically made Stitch her size rather than like a big, scary alien or whatever, like a tall, skinny alien. Like a Jumba. Yes, they wanted him to be very small and compact and like on her level so that you could see them going through the movie together from their own perspective. Mm -hmm. And I just love that. I loved it. You know what we didn't talk about? What's that? The very specific scene when they're surfing and how that is the tipping point. A stitch turning to good almost? Yes, because he sees them having fun. Mm-hmm. And he he's just watching because he's afraid of the water. So Nani gives Lilo to David and he takes her surfing and then... David takes Stitch onto his surfboard and, and Nani, Nani goes surfing and he is watching them have fun. And then when they're on the sand later building sandcastles and he's like pushing the sand on top of him, yes, he's like, trying to be he wants so badly to feel what he, he just like intuitively understands that the experience the three of them are having together, David, yes. Nani, and Lilo, is is good, and he wants to feel that. Yes, and the other thing too with that too in that scene, in that scene, because shortly before that scene, Nani's on the phone. I believe it's when Nani's on the phone, and she says, "Like I can't even pet him" or something along those lines, right? And then that scene happens where they're surfing. And Lee, um, Stitch is a little bit apprehensive about it and grabs onto Nani and she looks down like, aw, like, yeah, he, you know, like he's there and he does start to trust her. She doesn't let him pet him, but he starts to trust her and it, it forms that bond between Stitch and Nani also. Yep. And he's so excited. Like his yes. face is so, he's like, I'm doing it too. Yes. <laughs> Jumpa comes in and ruins the day. I know. So mad. But I, yeah, that was like such a big. Yes. That was, that was a big turning point in the movie. In development for his character. Cause he's like, cause he saw them. He saw them having a feeling that he intuitively knew was good and he wanted to have that feeling too. And then when he had that feeling, that helped him go forward in the movie. He's good. I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, guys. So that's our take. I want to know if if Katie and I are just out here in our own little corner. (laughs) Uh obsessing over this movie for the last 20 years 
is this anybody else's favorite movie? What would you rate it on a five star scale? Point point ones are allowed. You know, we can do point one increments because <laughs> I feel really Clearly. bad going down to a, like half star increments. <laughs> um, yes. So tell us in the group on in the Facebook group where does Lilo and Stitch rank for you? Uh, how would you rate it? Who's your favorite character? You know, just share your thoughts about Lilo and Stitch and I'll probably go watch it like seven more times now and see what else I can find in there. <laughs> Do you know what tuna is? I feel like I feel like our whole lives have brought us to this moment. <laughs> like we've been we've been waiting two decades to have this conversation. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, okay you guys have an awesome awesome uh week and let us know what you guys think in the facebook group and we will see you guys real soon see you soon with some exciting stuff coming up maybe you'll find your own pudge in costa rica maybe That's a wrap on this episode. Thanks so much for riding the red line with us. Thanks to my guest, Katie Fisher from Pictures and Postcards Travel. If you are heading to the Disney parks or looking at booking a Disney cruise or adventures by Disney experience, Katie can help you get the best prices and discounts along with custom planning and itineraries all at no cost to you. You can find her online at picturesandpostcardstravel.com or email her directly at kfisher at nyaaa.com. Now that you've had a listen, we invite you to join our Maine and Magic Friends community on Facebook to share your thoughts about the episode. You are welcome to pop in to share an idea, story, or photo and connect with other Disney fans. You can also ask questions, get and give advice, post updates from the parks, and just have fun. Head to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Maine and Magic to join. If you've got a comment or question, you can email me at mainandmagic at gmail.com or use the contact form on our website. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to share it out on social media and pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. Thanks so much for listening, and of course, in the Disney tradition around here, we don't like to say goodbye, so we say, see you real soon! Bye.